But over the last couple of weeks, there's been a shift spiritually. What we've been standing and believing for since, since Jubilee was a year in 2020, uh, which is our fiscal year from, from August to August for, for Victory Life, is an area of, of, of seeing healing. That's not just physical, that's, that's mental, that's, that's the, whole, the whole gamut of what we would consider healing. And what's been incredible over the last uh, two to three weeks is out of simple faith, applying simple obedience to what the Word says, we're beginning to see some of those manifestations. Things that doctors said, you know what, it's probably cancer coming back. And I got one of the greatest text messages from Joyce and Teresa that said the test results came back negative. God is, God is real. Stacy's not here today. But Wednesday night we prayed for Stacy and her stepdad. Because there had been a donor for liver, correct? Okay. There had been a donor that had come... Available for, for a liver transplant. Her, her stepdad was needing a liver transplant. So the Wednesday before, we broke into small groups and just had a time of, of just being together and praying together in, in that, that personal moment. And the only thing from Stacy's own words that, that she could think of that she needed prayer for was her stepdad. That there would be a donor that would come available for him to get this transplant. And lo and behold... Tuesday or Wednesday, it became a possibility. We prayed at church because there was still a limbo. There was still a, they, they weren't 100%. They didn't know for sure. So we prayed. We prayed for God's most perfect will. We prayed for health in his body. And we prayed for the right liver that matches who he is to be put in his body. And lo and behold, before we left the church... They put the surgery on hold. So we're going to wait till tomorrow. 8 a.m. 8 a.m. came. 9 a.m. came. And the family of this donor decided we don't want to go this direction. So they made the decision, and Stacy and her family, kind of in that moment, had to fight and stand on what God's word was. And if I'm emotional, I'm sorry. But yesterday at, what time? Five o'clock. Her stepdad got a liver. It's now fully his. 100% working on the inside. In that moment, they could have lost hope. In that moment, let's be real. We all probably would have. And we have to fight to maintain, to stand on what God's word says. Don't know if it was the same as the donor or somebody else. All I know is God said, watch this. You asked, I'll deliver. And there's another one that's coming. Make sure she, we're going to wait on that one. Because I want you to hear it from her voice. But God is doing something. Because we're just trusting God. 
This is my Bible. We're trusting God at His Word, as what His Word says. We're not trying to to make it into something else. God, you said healing is the children's bread. And I'm going to stand on that. It may not happen the way I think it should. It may not happen the way I thought it should. But it's going to happen because I'm standing on your word. And you'll fulfill your word. Because your word does not come back void. It accomplishes what it's been set forth to accomplish. So has everything happened that we've been asking for up to this point? No. Does that mean God has just abandoned us and said, No. God's word will fulfill what it's been called to fulfill. So if you're here this morning and you're feeling hopeless, you're feeling like, why do I even pray? Because the prayers I'm praying don't get answered. Don't give up. They don't happen like we thought with this transplant Wednesday. They don't happen Thursday. They don't happen Friday. But this one responded on Saturday. Didn't happen in the way we thought it would. But God responded. He responds in His timing, not our timing. We have to lay our will, our desires down and simply believe what God's word said and what God's word said is true. And let God's word prove that every man is a liar because of who God is. So this morning we're going to continue in Jesus over everything. If nothing is becoming more real, it's realizing that Jesus really is over everything. As much as the world even says, he's over the political scene of our nation. All we as believers have to do is respond. This is not a political message, but you need to respond. You need to respond to what the Word says. You need to respond to what Jesus is saying on the inside of you. And when you do, big things will happen. Colossians 1.18 And He is the head of the body, which is the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent or supreme. So often we come to church in this moment that we feel the Spirit move. We feel, we feel the drawing in. We feel God calling. We feel the Holy Spirit pulling on us. And we go, God, you're number one. And we stand up here and we realize and we believe and we say, you're number one, God. But most of the time, even before we get into our vehicle, we've already let him go down. To the next level. Because saying he's number one. Saying he's supreme. Saying that Jesus is supreme over everything. It's easy to say it. It's different to live it. This is not to, to say that you've got to go get in a closet. You've got to get into this position in the, in the floor of your closet. And you've got to spend 
10 hours. If you have a job and you have a life with kids and you have all these things going on outside, the likelihood that you have multiple hours in a day to sit in a closet, you probably don't have. And you need to find time. But you need to find the time that God's called you. The, God, the time that God's made available for you to spend time. Maybe in this season, it's just in your car, from your house to your job. If that's what God's saying, that will be the best 20-minute ride you've ever had in your life. We so often put God into these boxes that say, God, we have to do this for you to respond. We just have to respond to His Word. We just have to respond to Him. He makes available what we have need of when we respond to Him. Colossians 2. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Are you established in the faith? Are you rooted and built up in Him? Being rooted doesn't just happen overnight. It's not just the youth camp experience. And don't get me wrong. I could tell you almost every youth camp experience I've ever been. Why? Because they were a part of what built me to be who I am. I can remember going going to camp. And for some reason, they sent you to camp in July. And in July, this camp, they decided they always wanted to have an outdoor feel. And if I remember right, at that point in time, there weren't even any fans. I mean, you had maybe a few people would get smart and they would bring the, the older generation's Jesus fans from the church. And they would open them up and they would wave. But there was no air movement. There was no bathrooms anywhere near. But I can remember going and there was something about Monday, you were excited. Tuesday, it was great. Wednesday, you're just exhausted. Thursday night, that was it. That was the experience. You went into that moment and you said, I'm never turning on a TV again. I'm never playing my regular first generation Nintendo again. My Game Boy that I had, I'm getting rid of it. Everything is for Jesus from this point on. And today I can remember this camp. Like I said, this camp is transitioned. It, it closed and it transitioned to another camp. And all, they would call all the youth leaders down. And today on the charismatic side, they'd call it a fire tunnel. And you'd stand in line and it was like going through a car wash. You know, you pull in and you're waiting and you see all the the different scrubbers down there and the things that are moving to clean the car and and all the people, all the youth workers, man, they're feeling it right now. And you're like, I'm about to get cleaned. I'm about to experience Jesus. And you would walk out and you would have this, this burning fire on the inside. And it was it was incredible. Then I can remember going to other, same campground, another year. And for some reason, 
they decided that our camp speaker for that week, which he spoke every night, would be a missionary. And I love missionaries, don't get me wrong. But this missionary talked like this all night long. You've been at camp in July. You're exhausted. They had the Camp Olympics that they did in that, during that. and They had you running through water all day long and doing all these things all over the campground. And I'll never forget sitting on, I can, I can see the sitting like this, so I was sitting over here on this side. And I did the most evil thing in the world. I fell asleep. And all of a sudden, you know, you know when you can feel somebody there. It's like being in your bed at night at home. And all of a sudden, you just know that your kids are standing right there. You haven't opened your eyes. They haven't made a sound. But all of a sudden, you can just feel it. And for a split second, you're going, oh, God, please be my kids and not a murderer. Please be my kids and not a murderer. Please be my kids. And he stood right beside me in his microphone. And he went, praise God! And you wake up, you know. But you had those kids camp, those youth camp experiences. And they were great. But it was the Monday and Tuesday afterwards that real life began to hit. The world came back into play. You were no longer separated from your watch. We didn't have phones back then. You were separated from your Walkman. You were separated from your wristwatch. You were separated from all of these things. And if you were really good at camp, you had a great camp counselor that allowed you to put your Walkman underneath your pillow. And then when they came around for camp inspections, they wouldn't find it. But you had to be really good at that. But you came out of that camp experience. And again, it lasted through part of that next week. But all of a sudden, things changed. You got back into the routine of everyday life. You got back into the groove of everything that went on. And you realize that I'm not as sold out as I thought I was. It became difficult again. And that was the place I began to see a lot of the, of the, of the teenagers begin to go back into what they used to do. What they were like before. Because as great as, as camp can be, we miss the opportunity to begin to preach how supreme Jesus is. That no matter what's going on in your life, he's bigger than that. No matter what's going on, no matter what your family dynamics is, things that are going on, Jesus is in charge. Camp, and Amanda, you'll remember this one. Camp, coming back from camp one year. We had been back on a Friday. And the real world hit before noon. I can tell you where I was at. I was at Burger King. I was sitting with my friend Danny and his mom. And my mom were there. We had gone to Burger King out on Broadway. And we got a phone call. Or we got home. I can't remember how that all fell through. And one of our friends that had gone to camp with us had come back to camp, went and saw their mom, left, and their mom was shot and killed just a little while later. 
talk about our real world splash. Talk about a real world moment. It shook everybody. It shook us to the core. But even in that, we have to refocus ourselves to step back in and say, God, I don't know, I don't understand what's going on, but you're still supreme. I don't feel like it. I don't feel your presence right now. I don't feel like I want to worship right now. But I choose to respond to your word and not my feelings. I choose to respond to your word that says you're in charge. That says you're supreme. We have to make a decision, a rightful decision, that if Jesus is supreme, that we as the church live under Jesus as the supreme Lord. That's difficult to, to make that decision, that we as a church have to worship Jesus as the supreme. That's coming in this simple faith, this simple obedience of saying, God, Lord, I know your will is to heal. But I align myself with your timing and with the way that you want to accomplish it. Maybe it's through the hand of a doctor. Maybe it's simply Jesus. But I am standing on your word and whatever you do to bring healing to this person, I'm standing and believing because you're supreme. You, see the, you saw the beginning, you see the end. I see my one little blimp on the radar. My one little speck. You see it all. And we're going to stand and believe. Submitting to Jesus as the supreme Lord and Jesus being sufficient for all that we need is a way of summing up our Christian life. That's how we should live. This is how we should live our lives. It's hard. And as a pastor, you're supposed to, you're supposed to live above all things. You're supposed to, to, to live at a standard. I moved this week. I have muscles in my body this week that I had forgotten I had. I have places on my body that hurt because I haven't felt those muscles since I was 20. What do I want to do? I want to right now go back to my room, go back to my bed, and lay there. It's the truth. But I also know that God is supreme. And that no matter how I feel, because we base what we do so often on our feelings. I don't feel like doing this today. I don't feel like worshiping today. I promise you, Mandy and I went to bed last night not feeling like getting up. But when you purposely take your feelings and you say, not today, get out of the way. When you purposely shift those feelings out and go, I'm really not living by feelings. I'm living by what you've said and what you've called and I'm standing on you. You take Jesus to his rightful place. And you put him as supreme. We each have those decisions. We each have those choices. And every day, every moment, sometimes second by second, we have to take Jesus 
shift our feelings aside, which then puts Jesus as supreme. And we walk down the road, and we look and go, oh, he's back down there because I'm operating by my feelings. Just as a child learns to walk, we have to learn to begin to operate not by our feelings. We have to get out of the mindset of operating in the what ifs. Joyce, what if the doctor said it was cancer? How am I going to respond? What if this doesn't happen? What if this this donor falls through and and I, I don't get this? What if... What if my, my job falls away? What if you're operating in feelings? Why? Because you feel scared. You feel worried. You feel anxious. And the moment that you begin to feel those things, we have to purposely stop. Shift them over. Put them back down in their rightful place, which is at the very, 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 very bottom. Take God, take what his word says, and allow him to be back in supreme. And say, you know, Matt, no matter what happens, I know I'm still in the palm of your hand. No matter what happens, I know you're still in control. No matter what happens, this is what we're going to do. It came down 20 minutes before closing, Friday. 20 minutes before closing on our house, on the cell of our home. My feelings were not in a good place. My attitude, don't tell anybody, probably wasn't real pastorally. So you keep that under your hat, don't tell anybody. But what did I have to do? God, I know what you showed me at the very beginning of 2020. I know that you sold me, and I had to wait for her to get to where we were in alignment together. I know what you said. And God, you worked it out. No matter what the the glitches are here at the end of this long journey, God, you worked it out. Where I'm making money off of this house, I'm being able to carry it to, to wherever we're going, whatever you've called for us to do and where you've called us to be. So I'm not going to operate in feelings. I'm going to operate in what you've said. I'm going to take the feelings aside and I'm going to put you as supreme Because we're doing what you said. And you're going to work out this whole thing. That even if this cell falls through, you're in control. And even if it does, because they have their own free will, just because God said this is going to happen, these people still have a free will. I'm still in God's hand. I haven't fallen out of God's hand. When I align myself back up and I shift my feelings aside and allow him to become supreme again, then I know everything will be okay. How do we live practically under his lordship? What does it mean to worship him as Lord? No, no, I'm not talking about what we what we experienced up here. That's an act of worship. I'm talking about when you're all alone, when you're at your house, and you don't have a live band in your prayer closet with you. Your iPhone doesn't quite carry the same beat, the same feel that you feel here as a live band. How do you worship Him? Because prayer is the work. 
It's not just something we do. It is what we do. You want to connect with God? You want God to be supreme? To be put back into His rightful position? Colossians 1, 9 through 14. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Endurance and patience. Oh. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you, being strengthened. There we go. To share in the inheritance of the saints in light, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul here. He wasn't in the most glorious place in his life right now. He wasn't sitting in a nice comfortable room with a nice writing table, the perfect light. Everything, the, the, the aroma candles were going and everything just smelled great. He was in bondage, physical, chains. He was telling us the Christian life begins with and is sustained by prayer. How do you get through what you're going through? You need prayer. And not just people praying for you. You need to be in prayer. You need to be praying God's word. I told you before, Google, Safari, whatever you you use, it's the greatest tool we've ever had. If you're praying for healing, type it in. Scriptures on healing. If you're praying for your marriage, type in. Scriptures on marriage. If you're praying for your children, type in. Scriptures for my children. The old days, you'd grab out the big books that are about this big. And you begin to thumb through them. We've got it so much easier. The books I have in my office basically get dust now because everything, even those books, are online now. And so everything is so easy to access. What do you need to be doing? You need to be praying for the situations that are going in your life. Because what does that do? That takes a situation from being the top center, most thing that you see, shuffles it down And you begin to worship Him for who He is. Because it comes out of worshiping Him for who He is that you'll begin to see the victory that you're needing in your life. It comes from a point of being grateful for what you have. And you may say, I don't have anything. You do. You're sitting here today. If for no other reason you have air conditioning. You have a decently soft chair. You came in dressed. Thank you for coming in clothed. Security detail has not been briefed on people that come in without clothes. They would not know what to do. So thank you for coming in clothed. But you've come in prepared. 
You've come in walking in an attitude of blessing that you don't even realize. We take it, we take it for granted in the American society. So if we would begin to shift from what we don't have to what we have and begin to thank God for what we have, in turn, when we thank God for what we have, He'll begin to supply things that we didn't think we could get. I can remember when I bought our first house. Our very first house. And we drive by it still and we look at it. And I look at what I paid for that house in 2001. And that house went on the market a few, about a year, uh, a year ago. And what they sold it for, it's incredible. But that moment when I bought that house, I went, God, I don't know how in the world I'm going to pay $30,000 for a house. $30,000? God, are you serious? How in the world are we going to pay for this? And yet, we paid for it. And yet now we move to the next one. And I go, God, how are you going to do this? It had to get to a point that we shifted from, from what we didn't have or what we thought we didn't have or what we thought we needed to aligning myself with, with him and his word, putting him back in the prominent, preeminent state that he is and saying, God, I thank you for what I do have because it's by you and through you is the only reason I have it. It's putting him in the proper place. It's putting ourselves into proper alignment. It's, it's the simple things of, of, of Mandy and I looking at each other and, and, and telling each other, right now, we're not getting along. Not right now, right now, okay? We, we're still great. We move. We still love each other. We survived, okay? Yes. So, Probably not the best time for that kind of, I promise. But there's times in our lives that, that we could look at each other and say, we're not getting along. Maybe right now, I don't even like you. Come on, let's be real. We can, we can do the Jesus thing all day long. We walk in love. We never have arguments. Our first argument was over hot tea. I'm telling you, it happens. But it's the, the surety of looking each other in the eye and saying, we're not getting along right now. But divorce is not even on the table. It's not an option. What is that doing? That's saying, I'm not focusing on this. We're focusing on what you've done, and we're putting you back in your proper place. Because I know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that I was meant to marry her. Amen. I have no doubt. I have no, no second guess. I know I was. So divorce is not an option. So then we can go into any battle. And we may not get along in the moment. And there were times during this move when we were both tired that we found that we were probably more me than her. I'll, I'll take the blame. I was more short than I should be. But never once did I say, and you be quiet, little girl. But never once did I look back and I go, what in the world have I done? 19 years down the drain nearly. I'm done. No. Because divorce is not an option. 
Because we've taken God in our relationship and we've put Him in the proper place. We've stepped into alignment with what His will and His purpose is. So it's not just a simple one area you go, okay, God, you're preeminent and you're on top. We have to look into our lives. And in the little areas of our lives, we have to make sure where God stands. Because if He stands anywhere other than the top, He's in wrong order. Things don't flow well. Things don't happen. Again, I knew at the beginning of the year, and I kind of baited her all through the year. Of, you know, I feel like this is the year that we're supposed to, to make a change in the house. I feel like, you know, we're five years into this. I don't have to pay the government any extra money than they deserve because we sold the house. So I really feel like with Nathan as a freshman, I've got four years still of him being in the house. If he stays longer, I'm great with that. To a limit. There, there is a limit to that. Let's just be real. Uh, but but I, I just knew on the inside that, God, you're either telling me it's time to move or we're digging in. That was the word. We move or we dig in. We make the house what we want it to be, and this is long term. And Mandy, all year long, was kind of like, uh, I don't know, maybe. One minute, yeah, let's do that. Next minute of, are you serious? Did you take another stupid pill? Because this is ridiculous. Moving is ridiculous. And then we'd go back and forth, and Natalie's room was, was too small, and we'd go back and forth, and all these things. But something happened about two months ago, and we talked about it. And I said, I really feel like this is what we need to do. And as a couple, we both said, I don't know what our next is. I don't know where we're going. We took our feelings, shifted them down here. And we said, okay, God, if this is what you're saying, we're lining up with you. And we stepped in and we said, okay, we're going to do this. Five, five lookers later, cash offer, no inspections. And it was like, you've got to be kidding me. At that point, I began to doubt that I heard God. Like, really? I was joking, God. I really don't want to move. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it was, it was one of those things where we had to lay down our feelings and step in to alignment. We had to put him back into prom- the most prominent space that he can be in, which is at the forefront. We only see him, and where he leads us is where we're going to go. Prayer connects us to God's will. And I've got to hurry. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Prayer connects us to God's will. Prayer connects us to God's word. Because who's the word? Jesus. Jesus is the living word. How do we connect? How do we become friends with somebody? We connect with them. We have conversation. Texting is awesome. I like texting people back and forth because then there's no he said, she said. Now there's a he typed, she typed. And, and you know, oh, spell check did that. Spell check corrected that one. You know, those type of things. But we, but we have to know that we have to have communication with each other to be able to walk in relationship. To be able to walk hand in hand. To be able to walk arm in arm, linked together. It's the same way with God. We have to know that, that the word of the truth is the gospel. Okay? The word of the truth. The word of the truth, which is the gospel. So, what's it do among you? It's the gospel, the word of truth, that bears fruit. It's not you bearing fruit. 
You're supposed to just be a willing vessel. You're supposed to just be able to, to let God do whatever you want him to do. God, not my feelings, but you. You're the gospel. And you lead me, and I know the fruit will come. Whatever they might be. Blueberries, blackberries, strawberries, watermelon, cantaloupe, whatever it is. It's going to be what you've called it to be. Because I put you at the tippy, tippy top. Where you're going, what we're doing. Hearing and understanding the grace of God is the gospel. The grace. It's grace. God gave us grace. That grace is the gospel. The ability to hear and say and do what he did. Grace is a gift to the unworthy that makes you worthy. It doesn't matter what your past has said. Because your past does not have to dictate your future. You get the opportunity. You get to make the decisions. You get to be the one that says, God, I'm taking the feelings and I'm shifting them. And I'm taking you and I'm putting you on the top. I'm taking what you've already given me. Yes, I know I'm unworthy. But because of you and the gift that you've given me, because what's on the inside of me now? It's Jesus. That gift of grace, that gift of the gospel, that gift of the living word is alive on the inside of you. And that gift makes you worthy to be able to step into the holy of holies. That gift makes you worthy to be able to step in boldly before the throne. That gift makes you available to step in and say, God, you said I can ask anything in your name. That's what you've done. Because it's a gift. It's a gift that changes us. It's not just the Christmas morning gift that, you know, you get down to Christmas and you want to get your kids something special. So you get them something, but then you're like, ah, I need to get them something else. And you make that last minute run to, for us, Walmart. And you find something that they might like. And you get it for them and you're kind of excited. And they open it Christmas morning and that one gift and you're like, awesome. Thanks. Appreciate that. And they set it aside. And they pile all the other gifts on it. That was a gift to them. But they didn't really value the gift. When we're talking about gift here, this, this gift that changes us, it's like the gift of a child. It's like the gift of marriage. It's like, it's like my daughter. I can remember the moment that I held her for the very first time. I can remember the, the smell. I can remember the feeling. I can remember... We've been, my wife had been in labor for 32 hours at that point. And later on, I realized I hadn't eaten lunch or eaten a meal since the day before. I had it worked out. So they give me Natalie, and I'm holding her, and I'm sitting in the, in the office, the medical chair, and we're still in this, this room. Oh, it's so nice. And they've got her all bundled up. Well, they went over to the heat cabinet. And for some reason, they thought she needed to be warmer. So they wrapped both of us in heated blankets. They wrapped both of us with this blanket. And I can remember sitting there, and that feeling came. I knew I was about to pass out. And I looked at the midwife, and I said, you're going to have to take her because I'm just about gone. And my wife is laying there, and she can see me behind her. And one minute I'm there, she puts her head up, turns back around, and I'm gone. I back out into the room, back into air conditioning, 
and had the worst, oldest sandwich that had been left in the hospital refrigerator probably for weeks. But it was food. But I can remember the joy of, of meeting my daughter for the very first time. I can remember the joy of our wedding day and, and seeing my wife on that day. The joy, the gift that those two things were. And he's in, not in here, but just so everybody knows, I was happy to see my son too. But, but you know what? what? That's a gift. That's a gift that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. That's not just that Christmas morning gift. This gift of grace that God gave you, it's that kind of gift. It's a gift that can change your life forever. Not just a makeup tutorial or a, or a box of things that, that you put on for a minute and they go and you outgrow them. This thing called grace, this thing called the gospel, it's a gift to you that, that grows with you. The understanding of who Jesus is grows with you. How am I living? I'm taking too much time. Um... It's God's power that produces us, produces in us fruitfulness, patience, joy. Prayer activates this. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. He qualified you. He delivered you. And he transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. It wasn't anything that you did. All you did was say, God, I'm taking my feelings here and I'm making you supreme. And when you made him supreme, God said, okay, now watch me work. Watch me do what I do best. His, it's his ability in us. It's his ability in us and through us. The power is not in the one who is praying, but the God in whom we are praying to. It's not, it's not our abilities. So you now can go boldly before the throne. Because it's not you. You can now ask those prayers that you've been scared to ask. You can now go boldly. You can pray for the sick and they be healed. You can pray for the, for the broken marriages. You can pray for those things. It doesn't just take the priesters and the elders. He's equipped his saints. He's equipped believers. Why? Because the same Jesus that's on the inside of me is the Jesus that's on the inside of you. The Christian life begins with and is sustained by prayer. What did he say in chapter 4? Paul said, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open up a door. So what's he saying? Let's just, let's just stop there because he's telling you to pray. But not just for yourselves. You've been called to pray for others. I don't feel like praying. Take that feeling box and I move it. And I say, but God, I know your word says that you've equipped your saints. That I can pray for those that, are, that need prayer. I can lay hands on the sick. I'm putting you as, as up tippity top. And today I choose to pray in your name. I choose to pray your word. Because I know your word will fulfill what it's been called to fulfill. I know that's what it is. I know that's where we're going. So this, this morning, this afternoon, whatever it is now. 
wherever you're at, God's equipped you. Everything that Jesus is lives on the inside of you. You don't have to ask for more of Jesus. You don't have to ask for more faith. The full package of who Jesus is moved in on the inside of you. What do you have to do? You have to activate what's on the inside of you. How do you do that? You take what my feelings say. I'm tired of putting them on the bottom. It's time to crush them. It's time to crush our feelings. And say, God, I know what your word says. And your word says. And you apply his word to wherever you're standing. That's the simplest way you can do it. You don't have to go to Bible college. If you can and you have the availability, I recommend going. But don't say because I haven't done this. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you believe that He died on a cross and was rose again, if you believe that Jesus is God made man, if you believe these things, God resides on the inside of you. If you confess with your mouth, these things are alive on the inside of you. And guess what? Now, from the moment you accept Jesus, you can begin to lay hands on the sick. Because what are you doing? You're applying His Word. Simple faith to simple obedience. That's it. There's no other concoction that you have to put together. Believe His Word. Make Him preeminent in your life. Stand on what He said. Believe what He's going to do. And walk where He's called you to walk. And you'll see the miraculous happen all around you. So this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. Have you made, I'm talking to believers. Have you made Jesus preeminent in your life? Have you made, have you made Jesus the Lord, the Savior, the King of Kings in your life? Today, I believe you're seeing areas in your life that you feel like God doesn't have preeminence in your life. So spiritually, I want you to take those areas. I want you to see those things being removed that you've not given to God. I want you to see those things shifting from being the top to being at the bottom. And I want you to see yourself taking the most beautiful box you've ever seen in your life, which is God. And you take that box and you lift that box up and you put it back at the top of this shelf. And you say, God, I choose again to put you at the top. I choose to realign myself with you. God, I thank you today. I thank you for a realization, God, that You need to be preeminent in our lives. God, I thank you today that, Lord, no matter what we're going through, we choose to recognize you as in charge. Lord, no matter what's going on, no matter what the doctor's prognosis is over our lives, over our family's lives, we choose to believe your word. And we choose to walk in the authority that you've given us.
the power that's already on the inside of us. Because you've given us the power through Jesus to speak to mountains. To stand in faith. To stand strong when the enemy comes. And allow you to fight the battle. All we have to do is stand on your word. Believe what your word says. To stand and believe and to see our healing. To see our salvation. We honor you for everything that you do. We honor you, Lord, for where you're going. And Jesus, we thank you that you're in control of every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.